Good morning, my beloved Orangewood. How's everybody this morning? Wonderful. I heard a wonderful. I'll go with that. Uh, Katie and I just got back from taking our youngest, Allie, to Covenant College this week. Uh, We are dangerously close to being empty nesters. You may say that we're there, but I'm denying it as long as I can. Uh, But anyway, what a transition in life. And you're reminded of family anytime you're away and drop a kid off. And I'm so grateful for this family and the family that you all have been to all of my kids uh, uh, and the shape that you have left them in. So thank you uh, very much. And I feel like it's a It's a group effort, right? So anyway, if you have your Bibles, if you'll turn with me to 1 Timothy, it's toward the back of the Bible. It's called one of Paul's uh, pastoral epistles. And we're looking at his trustworthy sayings. There's some sayings that Paul says. There's actually five of them. We'll be looking at four of them. One specifically is for officers, for elders and deacons. And in these trustworthy sayings, he says this, hey, this is a trustworthy saying, and it really deserves our full attention. So all of God's word is God's word and all of it really demands our attention. But this is one of those things that Paul kind of puts a flag at and says, hey, this is important stuff. So let's make sure that we focus in. It deserves our complete attention. The 2016 uh, Olympic Games in Rio uh, come to an end tonight. Uh, How many of y'all have enjoyed those? Anybody been watching those, enjoying those? I got to tell you, heading into it, I probably never have been more blasé fair about an Olympics. It was like, yeah, whatever, Rio, whatever, Summer Olympics. It seems like life was just too busy for me to notice. And all of a sudden they came on. I was like, oh, this is great. And what I love about them, and probably many of you too, is the stories, right? I mean, you start to get to know uh, a little bit more about those heroes. Michael Phelps, uh, Simone Biles, Katie Ledecky, I mean... Uh, names that you never would have heard before had an Olympics not come around. But how about some of the cool stories? Did you hear about Abby? And I'm going to really butcher her name. D'Agentino. I'm looking over at you because you're Italian. I hope I didn't really buzz. Uh, this U.S. Uh, Olympic with Nikki Hamblin from New Zealand. They're running like 5,000 meters. And if you don't know that, that's a really long way to run. I mean, you should just take a cab or something. But anyway, they're running. They get tangled up and fall. And then Abby's helping up her, her, her competitor on the track and, and kind of embracing. And then Abby's torn her ligament uh, in her knee and she can't go on. And Nikki does. And they've never known each other. And everybody's like, man, how cool. I mean, neither of them came close to winning, but it didn't matter because it was just a really cool human spirit moment. One of my favorite is U.S. cyclist Kristen Armstrong. Nothing, no relation to the other Armstrong cyclist. At 42, she won her third consecutive medal in cycling, gold medal. Now get this. In between 2008 and 2002, she had, 2008 and 2012, she had a son, Lucas, so in the midst of that, she's a mom. She's 42. And, and uh, they say that she's, she works in a hospital in Idaho. I mean, she's like just an average person. I mean, how do you be an average person and win three gold medals in a sport? It's just incredible. But those stories that tug on our hearts. And then some stories weren't so tugging on our hearts. That Ryan Lochte, rather embarrassing. Go Gators. <laughs> By the way, I told my family that I was going to mention that. And they're like, don't do it. Don't do it, Dad. And I took it out. And I couldn't resist. What's wrong with me, Gary? You're an elder. You're supposed to help me. 
But of all the stories, the one I love the most was the South African who won the 400 meters, set a world record. Wade Van Niekerk, I think you pronounce it. Wayne Van Niekerk. And they, they put him in lane eight. If you know the 400 meters, it's like one time around the lap, around the track. And so to do that, they stagger them. They, they start in different positions, you know. And so he's in a position he can't see any other racers. And they like never win from lane eight. And he's out there. Not only wins, he sets a world record. And the coolest thing is, did you see it? After he wins, what do they usually show? Like the family, they showed the coach. And they showed the coach. And it's this 74-year-old, white-haired, great-grandmother, you know? I think her name's Anne's Botha. And you're like, what? You know, here's this world-class athlete, just wins the world record. And all of a sudden, they show grandma on the screen. Who, who didn't even get down to the field. He had a hard time convincing folks that like, I'm, I'm the coach. Sure. Whatever lady, you know, whatever. No, no, I'm his coach. And what a cool story. A 74 year old great grandmother helping an athlete from South Africa become a world record holder. This morning, we're going to look at words that Paul talks to Timothy with and he had a coach as well. I mean, matter of fact, he grew up with a, with a coach like Annas. Uh, uh, he grew up with a godly mother named Eunice, a godly grandmother named Lois. Scripture will tell us in 2 Timothy. And these women from infancy trained him. They, from infancy, they taught him about the holy scriptures. And something beautiful happened to Timothy. By God's grace, what he had heard from a kid became his own. That's what we pray for all of our kids. That what they grew up with, eventually they say, you know what? That's just not my parents and my grandparents. That faith is mine. So now he has not only come to Christ, he's in the ministry and he's got another coach named Paul. And Paul also is coaching him kind of like a personal trainer. You got Paul who's pouring into Timothy. It's like we're getting the inside of a personal trainer teaching him how to be a pastor. And isn't it true having a coach makes all the difference in the world? I mean, having someone who's there by your side and helping you. I mean, just think of the amount. What kills me about the, what's mind-boggling about the Olympics is they didn't just wake up one day and start running that fast or running that long or, or competing the way they did. The, the amount of hours, the, the staggering amount of training, the dedication. I mean, especially like those gymnasts, to be honest with you. I, I wondered, would I want my daughter to do that? I mean, is the sacrifice worth it? I mean, they talked about, we don't go to prom. We don't do things like other kids do. We, we train for the gold. I mean, we give it all that we have. And that's Simone. Did you see her do her floor exercise? I mean, holy cow, she can fly. I mean, it's crazy what she could do, but how much training that she took her to be able to do those things. Well, God calls us to train ourselves. He says that we as Christians are to be in training. It's interesting. He says we're to train ourselves Wait for this. For godliness. That should be vigorous training. So let's look to God's word. 1 Timothy 4, verses 7 through 10. And we'll find this trustworthy saying and some of the words around it that will help us understand it. Again, Paul writing to a young pastor named Timothy. But because he's inspired by the Holy Spirit, these words aren't just for Timothy. They're for you and they're for me. These are God's word. Hear the word of the Lord. Paul writes, have nothing to do with irreverent, silly myths, or maybe your translation says old wives' tales. Rather, train yourself for godliness. For while bodily training is of some value, 
Godliness is a value in every way as it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. The saying is trustworthy and deserving full acceptance. There's where we see that trustworthy saying actually linking back to what was just said. For to this end, the pursuit of godliness, we toil and strive because we have our hope set on the living God who is the savior of all peoples, especially of those who believe. Let us pray. And Father God, your word clearly calls us to train ourselves to be godly, to train ourselves to be like your son, our savior. And God, we could only do this if we understand the training manual, your, your word. If we have that training assistant, your Holy Spirit helping us. And our goal is the champion Jesus as we try to become more like him. So God, would you come and would you come into this, this gymnasium, this sanctuary, this, the word that we have train yourself is the word we find gymnasium. Would you come and join us here? And would you train us? Would you train the preacher? Would you train each of us of what it truly means to be godly? Give us ears to hear Jesus's voice and give us minds to understand his instruction in your word. Give us hearts to embrace the love of our champion, your son. And God, give us feet to walk in a manner worthy, not of a gold medal and not of our country, but give us feet to walk in a manner worthy of your name, the name that is above every name. God, the things that I say that are wrong, merely my opinion, may those things be forgotten and fall away. But the things that are said that are true and contain the good news of the gospel, would you use those things to make us more like your son, our savior, Jesus? And it's in his holy and matchless name that we pray. Amen. If you want to follow along with me in your bulletin, you'll find an outline. We're going to look at the value of godliness. We're going to look at the pursuit of godliness and we're going to see the, the source of godliness as Paul has exhorted to Timothy and to us. First of all, I'm going to start with the value of godliness. He says, basically, the bodily training is of some value. And we know that, don't we? I mean, we live in a time where we're told you better watch what you eat. Uh, you want to make sure you work out. Because why? Because physical training is of some value. Uh, if you're healthy, you'll be able to enjoy more of life. If you're healthy uh, and can move and experience the blessings of life, it is of some value. It's good to be physically fit. I feel a little uncomfortable standing in front of you saying, what are you saying? Yes, it is good to be physically fit. And as Christians, God's word has told us we should be good stewards of our bodies. Because why? As Christians, we know the truth that our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit. That we are to steward our bodies. We're to take care of our bodies. We're to, we're to care for them. I love the Jimmy Buffett song. Uh, uh, I treat my body like a, a tent. You treat like yours like a temple, right? Um, but the reality is that we shouldn't treat our bodies just as a, a tent, that, like a pitch tent to be thrown away. You're the temple of the living God. Physical training is of some value, but it's limited. But it says this. Godliness. Godliness is a value in every way. And it's interesting the way the Greek is said here. There's both the time of 
timing, it's godliness is valuable at all times. No matter where you are in your life cycle, no matter where you are in your day, godliness has value all the time. But not just in a time temporal way, but in every way. Godliness is valuable for all things. It says this, it says godliness, it holds its promise. It holds promise. It's basically saying that pursuing after a Christ-like character, pursuing after a holy life, pursuing after being more like Jesus, it's valuable. It holds value. It says this, it has value in all things, in the present life and the life to come. There is value for godliness in this life. I don't know about you growing up, but for me growing up, Christianity was really more about life insurance. It was really about the life to come. That it didn't have as much to do with this life. That, that you wanted to make sure that you had a relationship with Jesus. You wanted to make sure you confess your sins and you knew him. Because one day you're going to have to see him. And the life to come is going to be really important. But Paul says it's more than just that. But there's, there's value for the present life in this life. And there's value, future value in the life to come. But what is the value for this life? When Jesus came to earth, he came to give us life. And by the way, what kind of life did he want us to have? Life abundantly. And so the abundant life that he offers is, is a life that we're pursuing hard after him. We're pursuing godliness, trying to be like him. So many times we think that if we pursue after godliness, we're, we're going to miss out on life. We're going to miss out on the fun things. That, that, that God is this cosmic killjoy that really wants to suck the life out of you. But that's not true. Listen, the, the reality of the God who made you in the, his image, the reality of God's son who shed his blood for you, the reality of God, the Holy Spirit that fills you, is he wants you now to experience life abundantly. And life abundantly is that which is living in submission to his word. It's that kind of life that is living on mission for Jesus, our King. It's that life that's striving to become more like him. The abundant life, my brothers and sisters, is found in Jesus. It has value. The more we become like him, the more we live. Listen, the beautiful thing is this, is the more you become like Jesus, the more you truly become who you were made to be. Godliness has value in this life, but also in the life of, to come. It's not just value in life abundantly. It's a value of life eternally. And I don't know how godliness will, will bless us in the life to come because scripture says this, when we see him or when he comes back for us, that we will be, the word is glorified. We will, we will be made perfect in Christ Jesus. Oh, I long for the day. It says we'll no longer be able to even wrestle or sin. Don't you long for that? Oh my goodness, we're, we're practicing now for what we will become one day. Godliness has value for all things in this life and the life to come. Okay, if you were to win a gold medal, if you were coming home tonight and you had just marched through and you won a gold medal, what would you do with it? What, what would you do with it? Honestly, if you, if you came back, I know John Gamici is sitting up here. I know what John would do with it. John, how long would you wear that gold medal? Because I know when you run your marathons, you come to church and you wear them, you're proud of them. A day, a week, a year. <laughs> That's awesome. Wouldn't you want to find the right place in your house? I mean, when you're as egotistical as I am, I mean, wouldn't you want everybody to know, hey, look, look what I won. I mean, just want to make sure when everyone comes, sees and knows, this is where the gold medal resides. I've won it. 
you know, you think over time, what do you do with a gold medal? It's kind of cool. And the athletes say we, we work so hard for that, but I'm sure it's more. Well, I know that uh, Dexter Manley achieved the top award that you could have as a football player, pro football player. It's a huge, big man that played defensive line for the Washington Redskins that, that won a World Series, got the coveted ring. We're playing for the ring. Now he, he sold it for cocaine. I, I know that uh, Lester Hayes, Lester Hayes, who won a ring for the Oakland Raiders, NFL ring, a Super Bowl ring. Well, I know that he had all kinds of issues coming in his life. And, and the rumor has it that he sold his ring for dental emergency. I mean, what was the ring really worth to him? It was worth filling a cavity. I mean, at the end of the day, if you can stop the pain of a tooth, I'll give you what this, others will say is precious. You see, as Christians, God's word says this. Don't pursue the things that will perish. Don't pursue the things that will tarnish. Paul says it this way in 1 Corinthians 9, 25. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath. They do it to receive a gold medal. They do it to receive something temporal. But as Christians, we receive a reward in Christ. It's imperishable. That will never fade away. The value of godliness in all things. Let me ask you, what do you value? I mean, really, at the core of you, what do you value? You know how you can tell? It's what you pursue. What you pursue will reveal to you what you value. Because what you pursue will say, I'm pursuing that because I believe I'm going to find life there. I'm going to find security there. I'm going to find myself there. So we have to look at the pursuits. And the second thing is this, the pursuit of godliness. So when Paul is telling Timothy, he says, now train yourself to be godly. The, the word train, gumunezo, I believe it's how it's pronounced in the Greek or something close to that. But it's where we get the word gymnasium. How cool. So he says, train yourself for godliness. You get this picture of physical training. Do you know what the word, do you know what the word literally means? It's really kind of interesting. I'm going to lose a couple of you right here. It means practice naked. I'm not kidding you. Think of the first Olympics. How did they compete? In the buff. I think the beach volleyball girls are trying to get back to that. I don't know. <laughs> but the reality is, is train yourself like a, like a gymnasium. Uh, train yourself. And again, when he uses this word, he wants us to picture an athlete. And how do you train yourself? Train yourself individually. God has called you to himself out of darkness, if you're a believer, into his marvelous light. And he, he's called you into training. Train yourself. How, how do you do that? Well, you read God's holy word. You should do it daily. You should be trying to memorize God's word. I mean, the psalmist says in Psalm 19, how does a young man keep his way pure? By living according to his word, by memorizing his word so that we wouldn't sin against God. It's praying it's, it's, it's a daily routine of, of worship with God. I know this in my life. By God's grace, it was modeled for me. By God's grace, the daily walk with Jesus was something that I saw. And by God's grace, it became a part of my life. But the best I am in a day is when I'm with the Lord. That's the highlight. Everything else is going downhill. Because I'm reminded of whose I am. 
I'm reminded of how I'm loved. And sometimes I show up back in that worship with the Lord. And I think, God, I don't, I don't know if I'm any better than I was yesterday. I, I might be backwards. And I'm still a mess. But train yourself for godliness individually, but also corporately. If you were getting in shape, I bet you'd probably trying to go join a gym, right? Get a gym membership. Have a little skin in the game. Have some other people that are doing the same kind of thing. Find like-minded people. If you want to get in shape, maybe find a group that runs or a group that swims or a group that bikes. Find like-minded people. Why? Because doing it corporately helps. And we have to understand that Christianity is never an individual race. It's a corporate race. I mean, in many ways, it's a relay. We're passing the baton to faith onto the next generation, just like Timothy had it passed to him. And so we have to do it together. I mean, encourage one another, love one another. And what does that mean? Well, train yourself for godliness. Join a Bible-believing, preaching church. Train yourself for godliness. We, we tell you that, that God has made you for himself and one another. Get into a community group. Get into a place because they need you and you need them to, to live life together, to challenge one another, to speak truth to one another, to be held accountable. Stan Pat Cabbage came to the early service and he's my, he's my swim coach. Now he will definitely not take credit for that. He, he really won't because Stan doesn't miss. I mean, if you know Stan Pat Cabbage, he swims. I show up quarterly and still want to be on the team. It's a little bit more than that. But it's great having a coach because he'll text me. Hey, man, where are you? Where you been? We're missing you. And so I think in so many ways, train yourself to be godly. Associate with others that will say, hey, man, I miss you at church. Hey, what's going on with your life? Sharing life together. The pursuit of godliness. Train yourself individually and corporately. In verse 10, it says this. And for this godliness, and I love these two words, we toil and strive. Toil. A definition is to exert oneself physically, mentally, and spiritually. It actually literally is like to strike a hard blow. I mean, it should cost us something. The pursuit of becoming like Jesus should, should take our energy. We should be toiling from it. We should strive for it. The word strive is to fight for it, engage in a contest, struggle. But I think we have to stop and say, as God is calling us in such athletic language to strive for godliness, we have to make sure we understand our motivation. And the motivation has to be love. We never strive for godliness trying to earn love. We strive for godliness because you're ready for this. It's incredible. We're lavishly loved. On our worst day, on our worst day, on our most sinful day, as children of God, those by God's grace redeemed, we're loved. But the motivation for us to become more like Jesus is because he loved us first. And I, I think about this. I think about, we, we live in a culture that's so committed to physical training. We're, we're so committed to, to being healthy, having a Fitbit and making sure you know how many steps you went and making sure you, you, you got your time in, in the gym. And again, that's of some value. But I think if your life is consumed with physical training, it will show you that you love yourself. That you love yourself, that you care enough about your body and, and the tone of it to really put in the time. But if you're, if you're committed to godliness, if you're committed to try to become more like Jesus, he'll show you that your love is for the God who loves you and who's rescued you. 
You see, when it says pursue godliness, what is it telling us? It's saying, well, pursue Jesus. Pursue the one who's, who's won the race for you, who's, who's crowned you in his righteousness and robes you and loves you. Pursue hard after the champion. Pursue hard to become more like him. Not to try to earn anything, but because you received everything. So pursuing godliness is pursuing Jesus and a Christ-likeness. Why? Because Jesus won the prize already. He won it. It's secure. We have the gold medal in him. It's incredible. This Christianity reality, it starts with the gold medal ceremony. You come to Christ and you are declared not guilty. God has given you because of the work of his son on the cross. He's, he's forgiven your sins through the shedding of his blood. He's robed you in his righteousness. And we start off the race on the podium that will never change. We are forever declared not guilty. Yahoo. And then you know at the end of the race, glorification's coming. We're going to be completely set free. And now we're in this middle part called sanctification. Where we're becoming more like Jesus. And we're, we're, we're to, to labor and strive for this. We're to sweat for this. We're to work hard for this. Honestly, this should be our life pursuit. Of all the things that we pursue. Of all the things that we think we can find identity and security in. Our chief pursuit should be Jesus. To become like him. What are you doing to pursue godliness? Let's take a quick inventory. What, what are you doing? I mean, is, is there, is it, I'm, thank you for coming to church. That's great. Uh, is, there, is there something going on during the week? Because you know, if you want to get in shape, don't just try to do something once a week. I mean, it's really good to do something daily, right? So let me encourage you, look at your life and just take stock. Where, where am I pursuing godliness? I mean, do you, is God calling you to just pick up his word and, and start reading? Spend a little more time in prayer. Come this week to uh, our women's ministry that's starting or, or our band of brothers on Thursday morning. Get involved in a community group. Where, where can you pursue godliness and where are you? And the lastly is this, is the source of godliness. Paul will say, our hope is set on the living God. He is the source. He is the source. Our living God, Jesus, who has conquered even death. I mean, he got out of that grave. Life can't hold, death can't touch him anymore. Life reigns. And our hope is set in this living God. It's interesting who says this, who's up. Jesus, who is the savior of all people, especially those who believe. Did you hear that? You're thinking, what does that mean? It could mean, and it doesn't, universalism, that Jesus is the savior of all people and all will be saved. But the Bible te- teaches us, no, the only those by God's grace who, who are saved are those who do believe. But we got to know this, that Jesus is not one of many. Jesus is not a gold medal winner among many gold, winner, win, gold medal winners. He's not a savior in the midst of a world of saviors. The only way for every tribe, tongue, or nation, the only way for anyone to ever know life and life abundantly, the only way for anyone to ever make it home and to see the Father, The only way is through Jesus. He's the way. He's the truth. He's the life. There's no other Savior. There's no other Savior than Him. And it says in Scripture that there's a day coming where every knee will bow and every tongue will confess to that reality that Jesus and Jesus alone is Lord. But for those who, especially for those who believe, that's us who've gotten God's grace now. If you are able to say Jesus is Savior, thank God. 
God alone. Because it's by God's grace that we know that reality, that he and he alone is a source for godliness. And again, he is our prize and he's our motivation. Well, talk about making a mess of your Olympic experience, Ryan Lochte. I mean, what, what, what a mess. And you, you kind of put him next to Michael Phelps. And, and again, Michael Phelps has had his own issues over the years. But I mean, they were in the pool together competing uh, head to head. And didn't Lochte one time beat Phelps in a race? And then he was also going to win gold as a part of a relay with Phelps. And think about their Olympic experience. Phelps is coming back as the most decorated ever Olympian. I mean, his neck has got to be sore. I mean, how, what do you do with all those gold medals? Was it 23? I think he had like 28 total or something crazy like that. And he had Lochte. Who do you relate to? I think the reality is, is we should probably relate more to Lochte than Phelps. And what I mean by that is we've all made a mess of our lives, haven't we? I mean, let's be honest for a minute. I mean, haven't we all lied about the truth? Haven't we all uh, done something that we shouldn't have done and try to cover it up? I mean, aren't we all trying to, to be something we're not? Can you imagine, this is, this is crazy, but can you imagine if Michael Phelps said to Ryan, hey, bro, I want to I give you my medals. And I, I, I want to, I'm going to wear your shame. Let, let, me, let me step in for this. Let me be the one who is scorned. Let me be the one who's made fun of. Let me be the butt at everybody's jokes. So let, let me be the one. Can you imagine if an Olympian like Michael Phelps was willing to trade places with someone that right now is disgraced as Ryan Lochte? I guess not a great analogy, but it's close. That's what Jesus does for us. I mean, that's, folks, the gospel is the reality that Jesus is God's perfect son. There's been only one obedient son of God. It's Jesus. And he came and, and the race that we were supposed to run, but we tripped all over ourselves and made a mess of it before the gun even went off. And the race that we were supposed to run and we messed it up. He ran beautifully, flawlessly, perfect. He, he nailed the landing. I mean, it was just perfect. It was a 10-0. I mean, it, 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 could, it was flawless. He came out of the grave. I mean, he, he really paid the price for our sins. He did it all. All to him we owe. He's won. He's opened up heaven. He's dealt with sin. He's hung on a cross for our shame and our brokenness and our filth and our lying and the mess we made with our lives. He says, I'm going to trade all this in with you. I'll take it all. I'll take it all. I'll wear it so that you and I can wear the beauty of his righteousness to be set free. That's the gospel. And now because we are champions in Christ Jesus, we are to value godliness. We are to pursue godliness because we know that Jesus is the source of godliness. How is it with you? What are you going to be pursuing this week? Pursue hard after Jesus. Let us pray. 
Father God, thank you for, gosh, thanks for the Olympics. It was really awesome the last couple of weeks, seeing sports that I never would see, hearing stories I never would hear. And we certainly saw the highs and lows of life in Rio. And God, at the end of the day, we, we, we want to say thanks. I'm going to say thank, thank you that you preserve life. Thank you that, gosh, it was, it was wonderfully safe as far as I know. And, and God, thank you. I mean, I love the fact that when I see runners run by your grace, I can worship you. I saw beauty. I saw beauty that reflected you and these athletes. And God, I thank you that physical training is of some value. And I thank you that we got to take serious that. But God, godliness has value for all things. What a gracious God you are that you don't say, hey, work hard for this so I love you. But in Christ Jesus, we get the gold medal. And then you say, now imitate me. Now become like me. Why? Because in godliness, we have life abundantly. In godliness, we have life eternally. God, I pray for this church. that We would toil and strive to be more like Jesus. We toil and strive for so many wrong things. Forgive us. God made a gospel set us free to run that beautiful race, to toil and strive, to be more like Jesus. God, I pray for the one who's yet to embrace Christ as Lord and Savior, that today would be the day that God, that they would realize that no matter how much they try, they're going to stumble and fall. And they already have. But today they'd see by your grace through faith, Jesus as their champion, their savior. And they would become a part of your winning family as they repent of their sins and embrace you as savior. But God, for the rest of us, and there's a lot of us here that we know you as savior, but we're pursuing the wrong things and we're valuing the wrong things. God, help us to repent of those things. And God, I pray your Holy Spirit and the power of the gospel, the power of God would give us the motivation and drive to pursue hard after godliness. For the glory of Jesus, we pray. Amen.